We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to episode 162 on Port Arthur, Tasmania, which is really cool because Jamie got to go there. Yay! Yes, yes. (laughs) You've probably heard us talk about Jamie. She is our unofficial manager. Uh, She does all the images for all of our episodes, and she's amazing, just an all-around kick-ass person, and we love her deeply, and she (laughs) has joined us today uh, to tell us about um, her trip to Port Arthur. We've got some historical things to talk about, and then she's got some ghost tour stuff, some of the sites she's seen. Um, So we have a Patreon if anybody would like to join, we have a $2 tier or a $5 tier. Um, and we are going to be posting a lot of pictures from her journey. Um, she went there the uh, February, end of March in 2023. So she's got a lot of really awesome, beautiful photos. We'll be posting some of them on our Instagram, but most of them will be on our Patreon. So if you want to see those, um, you can join. There is a link in our bio to join our Patreon. So before we get started, Jamie, why don't you give us just a brief introduction on your artwork and who you are? Um, well, I'm Jamie Gearhart, and I'm on Instagram as Jamie Gearhart Art, which is J-A-M-Y dot Gearhart, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T dot art. And I do all kinds of art. And I, I, for, yes. (laughs) Yes, you do. does all kinds of awesome art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I have a zombie gnome from you. I have a Jaws um, picture with a little figurine on it. She does your octopuses. Is that correct? Octopi? (laughs) Octopi? I looked it up. I think it's actually octopuses, but I always said octopi. I like octopuses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, you've got all kinds of, you, you do so many amazing things. So please go check out jamie's artwork and and buy a little something yeah yeah and if you're in um i like it i do uh mad monster in charlotte and uh i'll be doing another one in south carolina called the south carolina horror con and um yeah i started off doing landscaping and somehow i've ended up doing horror art (laughs) (laughs) we love it sounds like you're living the dream yes (laughs) yeah fun (laughs) i wish i was artistic i cannot do that sort of thing so I'm just like in awe about people that can create things like that it's so amazing (laughs) well I'm convinced everybody everybody has their art you just have to find out what it is yeah yeah I'm still searching but uh... (laughs) (laughs) so you got go ahead oh I'm sorry there's a little lag there's a little lag um this podcast is your art oh oh yeah There you go, Allie. You There's a lot started. of creativity involved here. Yeah. Wow. We're artistes. I didn't even know it. <laughs> Eye-opening. <laughs> it is. Uh, before we get into the topic at hand, you had something you wanted to share with us, right? Oh, yes, yes. Um, And this is just super dorky, but... um. I fell in love with the Australian magpie when I was there. I just, their, their personalities are just so funny. And um, I thought he had the most, they had the most beautiful bird song I've ever heard. So um, 
I, uh, I, I brought back a card. I found a card that has an actual recording of the bird. And so I thought I would share that with you guys just, just for fun. Yeah. Um, we'd love to hear that. Not yes, ghostly at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here you go. So beautiful. It really is. I feel like you can hear multiple tones in that. And that would just be so nice to sit around and listen to. <laughs> right. Drinking I your did. coffee. I loved it. Yep. Listen. Drink your coffee. Listen to bird songs. Right. And watch the kangaroos graze on the grass. <laughs> there you <Right>. go. <laughs> well, and <I'm> just... <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know what a magpie is, it's a bird. <laughs> Yeah, these guys are black and white. They're like black with white kind of marks on them. I'll have to look up some of these bad boys because that is a very beautiful song. What a, I just would love to go to Australia. I'm so jealous of you. (laughs) That was a once in a lifetime thing. It was truly a fluke. I I, I lucked out from somebody else's ill fortune. (laughs) That's that's the best way. (laughs) That is not the best way, Allison. (laughs) Some of the best things happen because other people it, bad their happens. ill fortune. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I I will say just real quick, he was stupid. He deserved to lose it. So. <laughs> See, well then in this case maybe it was the best way, right? Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are gonna get started on our poor Arthur topic. So Rachel, why don't you go ahead and take us away? All right. Well, to start out with Port Arthur, Tasmania, we would like to acknowledge that the Port Arthur Historic Site is built on unceded Aboriginal land. We pay respect to the Palawa, which is a Tasmanian Aboriginal community, their elders, past and present. Mm -hmm. So prior to 1642, this land was called Trawana, which it was Aboriginal land. Then in 1642, it was called Van Diemen's Land. Did I say that right? Uh, yeah, Van Diemen's Land. All right. <laughs> I hadn't said that. I have read that, but I hadn't. I have not said it out loud yet. And it's demons. Yep. Ooh, Creepy. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking land notes. and <laughs> it was named that by the Dutch. Then it was named Port Arthur and finally renamed in the 1880s to Carnarvon and the land was parceled out. Now, Port Arthur is, like we said, in Australia and it's located on a peninsula. It is a naturally secure location as it's surrounded by water that is rumored to be shark infested. Sweet. Which... (laughs) Perfect, which it's in Australia, so isn't all of the water shark infested? <laughs> I believe so. And it's like great white sharks. Like not yeah, just like not even baby. the little mess around sharks. It's like the big big guys. <laughs> well, here's the kicker though. The sharks aren't the really the problem there. It's the jellyfish. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't want to mess with that either. <laughs> there are certain times of year you don't swim because the jellyfish mm. <laughs> have you ever been yeah, stung by a jellyfish yes you do uh, they peed on my leg did, uh, it work? did that help uh, you know what i don't know if it really helped or if it just horrified me so bad i couldn't <laughs> think about anything else 
I got that'll stung. do it. I got stung in Myr- Myrtle Beach all over my legs, and it burned so bad, and I peed on myself, and it didn't do <laughs> a damn thing. I'll tell you that. Maybe the trick is it has to be someone else. <laughs> someone else's pee. <laughs> you can try that next time, Allie. I will. I'll give that a whirl because it hurts for like ever. I feel like it takes is so it long like- for it. Is it like a bee sting where it just gets worse and worse? But like, I imagine it was worse to begin with. So it gets worse and worse. Like, you know, like it just keeps getting. Mine was like a burn. Like, like yeah. if you burn your. Yeah, like it keeps burning. Oh, yeah, that's awful. And it's long, like because they're little flippy guys, they're tendrils or whatever. It just wraps or like it wrapped around my leg, I feel like. And you don't know Ooh. it until it's happened. And then you're like, oh, God. And then. Typically, you're in a sea full of jellyfish at that point, and you just kind of <laughs> got to go for it. Don't pee on so. yourself because it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, have someone else do it. <laughs> Ridiculous. So this peninsula, there is a 30 meter, which is about 100 feet for those unfamiliar with meters like myself, um, a wide connection to the mainland. And that was fenced and guarded by soldiers, traps, and dogs. And and one of the things Jamie sent back to us, I read that they would chain dogs in a line across the shore. So they would basically be touching almost so nobody could pass through there. And those poor freaking dogs, they would leave chained up for years at a time, guarding that little peninsula. So they would be you know super ferocious insane dogs because they had been chained up there for so long it gets cold there too it gets really cold because it's not too far from antarctica you know they get these they get sheep warnings there where they tell people you know to to protect their sheep because the wind coming across is so cold it'll freeze them and kill them oh my gosh yeah that's so awful and they would just leave them probably i hate that um, and then shore-based and ship-based whaling was banned in the area, and they did all of that to keep in the convicts. Yes. So Port Arthur was named after George Arthur, who was the lieutenant governor of Van Diemen's Land, the colony name of the island of Tasmania, which is where Port Arthur is located. What are you looking at? colonial name i don't what did know I say? you know i Col- colony you know i can't colony let a single name. thing go i type just out the me. word just say the whole word just let me read <laughs> what started as a timber station in 1830 was a penal colony by 1833 and remained as such until 1877 poor arthur had a short run because it had such a low success rate and was known for being vicious and it took its last prisoner in 1853. Even with the short run, 12,500 5, oh, 12, convicts served time there. Port Arthur was where the worst of British criminals were sent. Port Arthur had some of the strictest security measures of any of the British penal systems. The prison was, was penal. Penal. <laughs> so penal. I'm glad I, I typed I typed penal in here multiple times just so I can <laughs> hear you say it over and over. Well, at least I didn't say penile. <laughs> that sounds way worse. Uh, 
<laughs> the prison was completed in 1853 and extended in 1855 with a fairly symmetrical layout. It was in a cross shape with an exercise yard contained in each corner. The prisoner wings were connected to the surveillance core and chapel in the center. From the hub, each wing could be seen clearly. The individual cells, of course, could not. Isn't that weird? Did they still have things like, Jamie, were you able to tell how it was and like see straight down each way from the middle? Yeah, it was, um, it was, we, when we went into one of the places where like the barracks where the, the prisoners lived, um, it was really horrible because they put them, when they were in solitary confinement where they would sometimes stay for years, it's the size of what, what would modern times be considered like a small closet basically mm -hmm. um it was maybe it was about the size of a like five feet long and about three four feet wide you know and they had a little shelf in there and um that was it and they weren't supposed to talk or anything could they even lay out straight then a lot of them couldn't lay all the way out if it was only five feet right yeah it, it may have been longer than five feet i'm kind of spatially here Oh, but they're right. like yeah. think of your closet it's about the yeah. size of a, a closet um most people nowadays wouldn't buy a house with a closet this size you know yeah I, I saw the picture that you had sent and like in front of those cells people that are like modern day sized the way we are like one of the guys in front of it looked like he wouldn't even fit inside of it barely so mm -hmm. there's just like no space on either side of you <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's what they were. And that was one of the, I think they, I think one of the, cause we listen, what they do is put on the headphones and it does like a little speech. And so you can walk around from place to place and hear. And I think it even said something like sometimes they couldn't stretch all the way out, um, but that yeah. they might spend years in there. Oh my wow. gosh. That would go insane for sure. Well, yeah. and, I see well and they I have, did. I have a question too. So like, this separate prison, which I think we're going to talk about next, and the penitentiary, I see in a picture of the separate prison, those, it's like a slit of a window, like very small. Is that how it was in the penitentiary also, or did they have pretty big windows in there? Uh, no, they had, they had, um, there they didn't no they didn't the big window with there's like one where i'm actually in it i mean that wouldn't have been in anybody's cell that would have just been i guess part of the like main area mm -hmm. um and the and the thing is is that it was not supposed to be only for punishing there it was supposed to be i mean that's where they they talked about on the recording about it being uh, the penitentiary is to do penance and to you know, uh, think about your, your sin that you've done and, and repent and, and reform. And, uh, there was very little reform, uh, there. It was very, um, they punished harshly and sometimes fatally. I mean, often fatally, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was tough, but, um, I'm sorry I got off of it. <laughs> no, no, we, yeah, we want to know. Mm -hmm. it, but it, it was cool. It was, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think, I think if you weren't a little crazy when you went in, you sure were you know, after a little time there. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, Port Arthur 
Port Arthur was an example of the separate prison typology. The prisoners were used uh, for hard labor as they historically always had been put in the separate prison system. There was a shift from corporal punishment to psychological punishment. And that is where those solitary confinement things came in. Like they, they just, they're basically trying to break you down. Um, the thought was the whipping and beatings only made the prisoners harder and didn't turn them from their immoral ways. And uh, instead, withholding food was a punishment. They would receive just bread and water and large amounts, uh, larger amounts of food and luxury food items uh, like tea, sugar, and things like tobacco, which we, we know is not food, uh, were used as rewards. Uh, there was really not a lot of rewards, though. Uh, mm -mm. They... They offered them, but I don't think they gave them out very often. The silent system was implemented where prisoners were hooded and made to stay silent. This was supposed to provide time for the inmate to reflect on their crimes and consequences. Instead, this gave lots of prisoners mental illnesses uh, from all the silence and the lack of light. The asylum was right next to the prison. Well, that's convenient. Right. <laughs> uh, Just walk, walk them on across the street. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Didn't start off with asylum, but they're sure they filled it up quick. Um, juvenile convicts, and I, the youngest was like as young as nine years old. Um, Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. The uh, juvenile convicts were sent, uh, also sent to Port Arthur, um, and they were kept, um, they were kept on point poor away from the main convict population like the adults the juveniles were used in hard labor like stone cutting and construction um, and a nine-year-old doing that kind of stuff well here's the crazy thing is that that one of the things that it said on, on the tour was that you know all of the bricks and stonework and stuff were done by the prisoners so they basically were building their own prison but it was kind of a weird feeling to walk through and look at all those bricks and know that the bricks were made by the prisoners to imprison themselves, themselves. Basically. yeah pretty yeah. much that is crazy. Um, i feel like that's there's other places that are like that where the prisoners built up where they were going to be ohio state reformatory was like that where yeah. whenever they built onto it they made them do all the work i mean it's mm -hmm. real Free cheap work, labor yeah well and <laughs> right? i can't even imagine like the silent system thing like being silent essentially forever and not being able to talk i talk to myself every day mm -hmm. like yeah. you couldn't even and i talk out <laughs> loud to myself and especially a nine-year-old i have a nine-year-old and she does not stop talking mm -hmm. so i don't even know how that would work well not and they said it, it says the worst prisoners got sent here but i know that some of the people that got sent were, hadn't done anything that was really that severe. Um, they may, they may have, uh, may have been in prison for like a, a minor thing and, and done something while they were in prison somewhere else. But, you know, there were people that were there that I, it didn't seem to me like they'd done anything. Yeah. Was, I read through some of the cards that you like sent over and even some of those was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. is it worth it is it worth the money to send british people all the way to australia to imprison them for something dumb too like that's I'm just... 
well, I guess free labor, you know, because they did do they did do stuff that, you know, they cut the timber. They still kept doing timber and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I'm wondering if sometimes if somebody, even if it was a minor crime and this is just me, one, you know, this is not I didn't read this anywhere, but it may, I was wondering maybe if they did enough minor crimes, they just shipped them over so they didn't have to deal with them any, anymore. You yeah, know, probably that would make sense. Like they're sick of them and done yep. with it. No more pie stealing for that kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. What done. what could a nine year old do that's so terrible that they went here, you know? Like I don't know. <laughs> right. So just like Alcatraz in the US, Port Arthur was reputed to be inescapable. As mentioned, Port Arthur was surrounded by water and ships had to turn in their sails and their oars upon arrival, but there were still escapees. One notable escapee is Martin Cash. He's known to have escaped twice. So that's that's a lot <laughs> to yeah. escape an inescapable place. He ghost wrote an autobiography in 1870 that became an Australian bestseller. And I read his little story and now I forget exactly what all happened, but he, he seems like a pretty interesting guy. So <laughs> potentially worth the checking out of his uh, ghost written autobiography. Port Arthur also has its own island where the dead from the prison are buried, and it is aptly named Isle of the Dead. It's about two and a half acres large, and there are only 180 marked graves belonging to prison staff and military personnel out of over the 1,000 graves that are there. So out of wow. all those, only 180 of them are marked. They didn't and I sent mark some photos. Dang. Yeah, no, I, I was, yeah. I, I sent some photos of that. We went on a like a little a boat a boat tour that went around, and we we saw that, and it's beautiful actually. Yeah, you took a video. They so you can't stop on there, right? I think there are special tours where you can go, actually go there, but um, they were uh, they were pretty pricey. So I bet didn't. because it, it is small, it's not like you could have a bunch of people on there at any given time and to get on and off would probably take a while so yeah i can imagine those would be pricey yeah but it, looked, it did look beautiful so now we're going to talk about some people's stories the first one is the wives at port arthur and it was a hard life for wives and families they were surrounded by some of the most dangerous criminals who had nothing to lose they couldn't just walk around, and there weren't a lot of social outlets for them. Some of them just couldn't take the stress and would go back to England or Ireland to be back with their families. I I get that. That would be hard not to have, like, anything to pass the time, even though the sites that you've sent us and that we've looked at, they are absolutely gorgeous, but I'm sure that that would eventually, like, lose Lose its luster yeah (laughs) well it's beautiful there but even like let's just take the whole prison aspect out of it it's yeah the weather's harsh um yeah and it you know it was beautiful i had really you know it was beautiful but it's very far south of the equator and um their winters are rough and it, it, it was not it's not i don't think it's was for the faint of heart if you're delicate you might have a tough time there (laughs) yeah plus like if you are socially inclined 
it sounds like they're probably locked up in their houses for at least a few months right well and that's that kind of leads into uh, lady franklin because she was supposedly you know responsible for all this really wonderful these social activities for these you know for the wives and stuff like that but um I don't think um, my understanding from the the tour recording that I listened to was that it you know they it wasn't that really that easy to get out and do stuff because they were it was nerve wracking because you've got all these eyes on you and um, you know there were some incidents so you know they made out like she was uh, this social butterfly but I'm not so. I'm not so sure how really successful she was at that. Um, and, uh, and there was, there's conflicting reports about her uh, and her husband, Sir John Franklin. He was the Lieutenant Governor of Van Diemen's Land from 1837 until 1843. Um, but uh, he ran the penitentiary and um, he was a douchebag man um <laughs> i feel like they usually are right like does anybody ever have anything nice to say about the guy that runs a penitentiary <laughs> well like, he his own words damned him in my mind but um, oh yeah but- i agree and people are right they are all douchebags you don't sign up for that job yeah you are. <laughs> well he um it, it just it, it's funny because if we, if you look him up online, you know, there's all these really, he's got monuments made to his name and, and he's got all these, you know, he, look at what he did. Oh, he's so awesome. But then you'll also find things that kind of say negative things about him as well. So it's for both of these guys, uh, both him and his wife, I could find both sides of it. Some talked about how wonderful they were and some talked about they were just, you know, Lord and Lady Doofbag, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the. Let's see. Um, he ran penitentiary and was a British Royal Navy officer and Arctic explorer, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. Frank Franklin also served as governor of Tasmania, um, and I don't know if people are aware of this because I always thought Tasmania was its own country. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry, I know that's my American ignorance, but I learned actually Tasmania is a state of Australia. So um, so he was the governor of Tasmania for several years and he disappeared on his last expedition, um, attempting to chart and navigate a section of the Northwest Passage of the Canadian Arctic. Um, and here's why I think he was felt like he was a little bit of a douchebag because you know it's not enough that they're in this horrible prison and in a very harsh environment and working really hard and being very silent. So he gives them this speech, and um, and this is what he said to them. This is what he said to these men: "You are vile wretches." You have been sent here for violating the just and righteous laws of the colony, and there is no crime which many of you have not perpetrated. Hanging is too good for you. You are all devils. You are all worse than devils in hell. But I have got you here for punishment, and you can't escape. Does he sound like a sadist or what? I mean, yeah, he sounds like, like he's going to enjoy down. this. That's some <laughs> douchebaggery right there. Right? Wrong. <laughs> I was not impressed, and uh, and but I did find out apparently the convicts didn't like him either, and they called him Old Granny. Perfect. Um, 
His wife, Lady Franklin, uh, she was derided by the press at the time. And it was said that she wore the pants in the family and that she kind of like he was kind of weak on the running and that she she's the one that kind of did all the work behind the scenes. Um, but it kind of depends. Again, I, I saw some negative things about her, but then uh, I saw some other things uh, that were very positive and glowing about her. And depending on you know, wh where you're reading, it seems as though he might have been inept at running the penitentiary. Um, and I would say, judging from the lack of success, you know, that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, looks like it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I will tell you one little quick note. Um, there is a marker there and it talks about uh, Lady Franklin's diaries. And that is one good thing um, that they have her diaries. And she talked a whole lot about things that went on uh at the penitentiary you know her life there and for good or bad and um and one of the things it talked about was that she was she wrote about a very suspicious kangaroo stew she got served at somebody's house oh, wow. <laughs> oh that was funny and then you eat kangaroos there i actually saw some tails like in the the there was like market. a kangaroo meat market and um they had tails oh, no. big old like as big as your leg and uh that was a little freaky but okay Ew, i sorry. did not know people ate kangaroos people will eat anything that's true that is well true. and i guess they're like the deer here in ohio probably like people yeah if you run some over a deer some people don't you're not gonna like let it go right so it's probably good eating i don't know they're very muscular gonna... of meat <laughs> yeah i'm gonna let it go if i hit it <laughs> well, we, went, we went to um kentucky whenever we went to visit mammoth cave and there is mm -hmm. a lady from australia that runs a kangaroo like rescue Sanctuary. thing Aww. yeah and man it we got to go up and pet them they were all like domestic kangaroos and it is terrifying they're so large and muscular and they could punch you right in the face <laughs> like, and they do <laughs> they could and i evie was next to him and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna have to freaking fist fight a kangaroo even at the columbus i think it's the, maybe the cincinnati zoo one of the zoos um around here they have a kangaroo area that you walk in and you're just with the kangaroos too uh-huh but they freak you out before you go in there they're like if if they come towards you back away slowly and if you are blah blah like they give you a rundown and i'm like i'm about to bring my babies in here that are like <laughs> three do i need to be concerned and i didn't they all just laid underneath the trees they were cute they are lazy <laughs> they and they like to lay on their backs like dogs like it's just it's so wild to see they, i mean they just they're just sleeping <laughs> hanging out all right well we're going to talk about the cascades female factory some prisoners were women and they needed separate accommodations of course from the men and this area was called the cascades female factory their lives were still harsh but nothing nearly as terrible as the men that were there the way that they suffered they were separated, the women were separated into three classes that were identifiable by different uniforms and then the jobs they performed. The first class of women were the ones who had shown good behavior on the journey to the colony, which 
Do we have any idea how long it would take to get to the colony? Did they tell you that, Jamie? I just they now, may like, have. I don't. I cannot remember off the top of my head. But that's a good question. I should, yeah, I like how long did they have to have good behavior on the ship? Because I'd have good behavior for probably about a week. <laughs> I mean, and God, I would think at least like could manage six weeks or a month or something. Yeah, I would think it would be on a ship for a while, and mm-hmm. I bet it's not a nice ship. <laughs> not, no, no, not if they're prisoners. I bet it stunk. Yeah, uh, for yeah. sure. Not a good situation. So having good behavior on the journey over was probably pretty important to them. Um, so if they had good behavior on the journey um, and had served their probation and continued to show good behavior, their jobs were cooks, task overseers, and hospital attendants. Which that sounds like pretty good gigs. Yeah. I'd be a task overseer. I'd be a cook and I'd be stealing food all the time. (laughs) You would not be the cook. They would not let you do that for very long. (laughs) I am not a cook, but I could stir some shit in a pot, probably. (laughs) You take sips out of it. (laughs) Uh, I just looked and it says that it took um, between... Oh, Lord. 70 and 110 days. Ooh. Yeah, no. So, like, I'm three not... months plus? Well, yeah. then that really does deserve a reward. <laughs> right, it does. Yeah, I would not be having good behavior that long. <laughs> the second class of women were convicted of minor crimes and had shown some improvement. They were on probation still, but if they made it through with no issue, they would move up to the first class. And the second class of women's, their jobs were making clothes and preparing and mending linen. Didn't do that either. So, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. There's another job. You're, you would have to be a task overseer. <laughs> that's true. I could tell people like, hey, do that. <laughs> that's what your job is already. So, true. you know, you're like set. <laughs> the third class of women, these this was the criminal class. These were the lowest of the low and consisted of women who were being transported a second time, were guilty of poor behavior on the journey to the colony, convicted of offenses before the Supreme Court, or those who committed offenses while at the penitentiary. Mm. That's the third class. They don't even have jobs, it sounds like, so Allie, I guess you could do that too. I could do that. (laughs) Just kidding. They were probably like cutting the stone and stuff. They were... (laughs) (laughs) Probably the the least amount of fun. Yeah, don't sign me up for any physical labor. That sounds awful. Um, I wish I'd gone to that. uh, To be honest, because they they kept mentioning it. it, That was not part of the Port Arthur tour. It was because it was separate. Um, Mm. But um, in eighteen sixty nine, the site was split into three functions: a clinic for male prisoners, another one for female prisoners, and a boys' reformatory. But even after that, the site the site was still referred to as the female factory. And honestly, to this day, it's still referred to as the female factory. Um, over the years, the site uh, served as a contagious diseases hospital, uh, a lying-in home, and a hospital for the insane. It just sounds delightful. <laughs> um, that place is definitely haunted. I agree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it was all shut down by 1904. Eventually, the Australian government purchased the site and made it into a historical site. Uh, for a long time, the descendants, oh, 
I'm sorry, uh, for a long time, uh, the descendants of the prisoners, and this goes for Fort Arthur as well, um, for a long time, they were ashamed of their past. Uh, the descendants didn't want to talk about it. Uh, they didn't want, they didn't want to acknowledge that, you know, this was how they ended up in Australia or Tasmania or whatever. And over time, attitudes began to change. And um, now Port Arthur and the uh, female factory is, uh, is part of their heritage and a connection to their past. And so even when we were there, there were people that were kind of making pilgrimages um, to see where some great, great, great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and, and that makes sense. I mean, I think people are more understanding of stuff like that now and it's okay. Yeah. So your great granddad did something really horrendous that has nothing to do with who you are, mm-hmm. but uh, right. Well, and with 12,500 prisoners that went through there, I'm sure a great deal of the population has relatives that went through. So once you do start talking about that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, I'm not as alone in this. There's lots of people that have the same past as me. So yeah, that would get easier to talk about further out you get from it. So we're going to talk about an occurrence at Port Arthur and after I'm not sure exactly when Jamie you may know they started doing tours of the area in Port Arthur so sometime after the land was bought and made an historic site you can go visit there like Jamie did and take tours of all the areas and check everything out and on April 28th 1996 the Port Arthur historic site was the location of a massacre. A guy named Martin Bryant murdered 35 people and wounded 23 more before being captured by the special operations group. The killing spree led to a national restriction on high capacity semi-automatic shotguns and rifles. And the 28 year old perpetrator was subsequently convicted and is currently serving 35 life sentences plus 1,035 years without parole in the psychiatric ring, uh, wing of Risden Prison in Hobart, Tasmania. And man, when I saw that we were doing this as the topic a couple weeks ago or maybe a week ago, I started looking for just documentaries on this that I could watch. And this massacre is what came up. And I watched a bunch of news clippings from the time and then watched an actual documentary on it and oh my gosh it is so awful it's so terrible this guy i mean one of the worst things i've ever heard in my life he of course killed all these people but one of the people that he killed was a mom that was carrying her three-year-old and he killed the mom and the three-year-old and then chased their the six-year-old daughter behind a tree and killed her back there like he chased a child so that he could kill her when he's indiscriminately killing all these people it was just so so awful um and with that this happened at a time in australia where they were able to almost immediately after that do some gun reform and in the documentary i watched it said that they haven't had any mass shootings since then mass being five or more people being so killed. now on at this whenever this occurred 
was he were they just doing tours at that point and these people yeah. were just going yep. for a tour wow mm-hmm. yep and did he ever say why he did it no he's just nope. nuts at least the documentary i watched looked like it was probably pretty old yeah. I'm not sure exactly when it was done, but no, at that time he had, they didn't say anything and they really didn't go into his history, which is like, of course, what I want to know, like what's wrong with this freaking guy. Right. And I mean, it sounded like he had some hard stuff happen, but nothing like that would spark this. And the fact that he's in the psychiatric wing of Risden prison kind of surprises me because I know they had decided that he was mentally capable of standing for court yeah so maybe he had some sort of mental break afterwards or something but he's wow. a piece of shit for sure oh that's it's awful. just terrible did you know about that massacre jamie whenever you went to go to this location yeah yeah they um they mention it uh while you're there and um and it's it's kind of still very up in people's minds mm -hmm. um it, as it would be i mean it's terrible it was it was terrible and it it create made such a big change you know mm -hmm. um so yeah that's they they did they didn't talk about it like as part of the tour but uh for sure you, there's signs and memorials and and things like that wow that's always an eerie feeling like i remember we know someone who was unfortunately killed during that batman um in aurora movie in aurora and i was on vacation actually with my my dad at the time and that happened and then i saw all this stuff on facebook you know posting about him and he had actually shielded his girlfriend who ended up living um from that from the guns. gunman yeah. And, um, I remember my dad wanted to go see the movie when I, like days after it happened and I was sitting there the whole time. It was just such an eerie, you know, an eerie feeling like I was doing something wrong. And then I was nervous that something, you know, there could be a, another person that got an idea. It, it's just weird whenever, you know, something like that's happened and you're in the same doing the same things those people were doing when they were just trying to go on a historic site tour. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. I mean, we had a mass shooting in Dayton downtown too. Yeah. It's weird when you hear about those things, it's like that can't happen to people, you know, that can't happen where you live. I thought that for the longest time, didn't really truly think that, but just felt that way. And then, yeah, that happened to, the guy that we know and then happened right downtown and people we know were downtown when it happened one of the girls i know moved to columbus because she couldn't be here anymore like she just mm -hmm. couldn't be here and she was downtown when the shooting happened so yeah it's just i don't know it stays on the forefront of people's minds for sure yeah well and definitely if, if that would have happened that mass shooting in dayton would have happened 10 years ago we probably would have oh, been. Oh, we would have been downtown. Yeah. Yeah. We're too old now. But yeah, we would <laughs> we would have been downtown for sure. So yeah, just mm, it Very hits weird when it's that close, definitely. And again, poor our Australia did all the gun reform. It right. really sparked, and that's I mean, in my opinion, the one good thing that came from it is that they haven't had 
any mass shootings over five deaths since then. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Right. One, well, just like you were saying, so contrary to popular belief, guns are not illegal in Australia. Um, met some gun owners there and the process they described for owning and operating a firearm isn't too much different from how it is to get a driver's license here. The one difference being that they have to belong to a gun club and get recertified every single year where we don't have that. Usually once you have it, you're good. Unless it's like a concealed carry, then I think it's like what every four years I want to say. Yeah. It's a really, the guy, um, it was, it got, it got it, first it was funny and then I well, it got a little tiresome, but uh, pretty much once they, uh, when I would speak to somebody and they would hear that I was from, uh, that I was American and from the South, you know, of course they're like, do you have a gun? Or, How many guns do you own? And I mean, cause that's like the first thing on their mind. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, okay, I, I have one and uh, it's called a snake charmer. <laughs> it's a little tiny balloon, you know? um, but they, 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 uh, one guy was very talky. And so I said, well, you know, tell me about it. Tell me, you know, what you guys have going on over here. And, and he had his, he had his gun with him. Um, and he said that, you know, you're not supposed to just like walk, you don't have like concealed carry and stuff like that. Um, he had his, I think in the trunk of his car and he said, um, the way I recall the conversation, you have to apply to to have you know to, you have to put in an application and then they do a background check uh and the first thing they do is make sure you have no criminal record if you have a criminal record you can't have one um and then uh once you pass you get through that then you you join like a gun club um or something similar to that but when you go through that when you get into it then they they teach you like the laws and how to handle the gun and how to care for the gun and all that kind of stuff. And then you get certified with, you know, like they teach you how to shoot it and you go to the range. I mean, it's very, it's very much like getting your driver's license. They make sure you, you know what you got and, and how to use it properly and how to care for it properly. And, um, and then, you know, you have to, you, you can, I mean, you can have a gun. You just, you have to go through certain, you have to go through certain safety protocols to get it is mm-hmm. what it is. And, and so, um, cause I had always been under the impression that it's illegal for anybody to have one and, um, and it's not. Uh, so I was really surprised to hear that. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, none of it, it didn't seem like it was anything too terrible. It seemed to be kind of common sense, like, well, let's make sure they know how to care for the gun and, you know, how to use it and that they're, because really, I don't know, I won't even get into that, but just suffice to say, they, it's just, it was common sense. It wasn't like mm-hmm. anything crazy, I didn't think. Yeah. yeah. So, what about um, this criminal record though? Like, what if you committed a crime before you were 18 or if it's like a crime that's not? Because I know, like, if you have a felony here, you can't have a firearm, right? I think. Okay, my understanding, and this could be him exaggerating. I didn't ask about underage. However, I did say, well, what happens if you know you you were like twenty and and you did something really dumb? You know, he said you, you should have a look. <laughs> Pretty much, like if you like, yeah, that's. I mean, you would have some trouble passing that here in the United States. Oh no, that would be more. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. Um, and I'm okay be with that because breaker. I don't think there's any. I mean, I you know, yeah, that's fine. Felony. 
people don't need to have guns. <laughs> yeah, like maybe but, violent crimes. Like I could see violent crimes. Like you don't need a gun, but like I don't know if you. I mean, who knows? Whatever. Got a DUI, robbed somebody for five hundred dollars or something. Like I don't know. I don't <laughs> feel like that should. When you're like twenty, I don't feel like that should take guns off the table for you. Very unrelated. <laughs> well, and and I will say, just you know, I'm I'm remembering a conversation from a few months ago, so I could be like kind of misremembering parts of it. But that was kind of what I came away from was that it was basically kind of common sense stuff. Like you know, yeah. okay sure you want to own a gun well first let's make sure you know how to use it and care for it and you know you're going to be responsible and we should do that here yeah <laughs> i mean i know you can take classes but yeah you can also just go buy a gun and have no freaking idea what you're doing yeah so <laughs> well and if you don't know how to use one properly and you haven't been taught how to use it properly you're more likely to hurt yourself with it or someone yeah. else yeah exactly definitely um oh ah ghost tour we're all to the ghost tour part yes get away are. from the gun part because i don't want you guys to get your little podcast shut down <laughs> <laughs> we've said we've said some things sometimes where i'm like ali should we edit that out and she's like no because she she's lazy about it and i'm like man if we get messages about this i'm just gonna die <laughs> but I think we were fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're good. Usually, we're good. usually we're a little more like crazy on the Patreon. I feel like, like, <laughs> yeah, the last Definitely. one too. We talked about all kinds of shit on there, and I don't even know how we got there. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I trust our Patreon listeners to not be like easily offended about anything. Yeah, they know, they know who we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Let's see. Uh, ghost tour. Oh. Okay, so we did the ghost tour. We did, we went to, we had a two-day pass. When you buy a pass, it's like good for, for two days because it's really big at Port Arthur. And we got the additional ghost tour pass. And um, it was interesting. It's very dark there. Um, and uh, I thought it was going to be creepier than it was. It wasn't creepy at all, actually. Um, I, I think when I did the last... Um, the episode with the the burning twins with Allison. Mm -hmm. I was telling her I got more of a feeling, a vibe from that church than I did from Port Arthur, which didn't make sense to me. It seemed to me like you know there was so much more going on there. But uh, I, even going on the ghost tour was even less. The only the closest thing I had to having any kind of um like a willy moment was in the parsonage, and I thought somebody had walked in and stood over like walked over to look at the piano because I was kind of standing with my, my back to it a little bit. And I thought somebody walked over and when I turned around, there was nobody there, you know? Yeah, so like seeing like shadow. I, I didn't even really see anything. It was just like a feeling, you know, like when, when somebody's entered the room, you kind of, Oh yeah. And so I, I, I just turned around expecting to see somebody. There was nobody there. And I was like, okay. Um, Bye. <laughs> now I have a question. So on this tour, how many people would you say were there with you on this tour? Because I feel like that matters. It mm, does. About 10. Oh, so um, a small maybe, amount. Okay. Yeah, 10 or 12. No, they weren't big groups. They weren't really big. The one be before us was very big and um, full of drunk people. And oh, we were really relieved they weren't in our group <laughs> because they were really obnoxious. Yeah, that'll kill the vibe real quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, in our, our tour guide, uh, he was, he was so good. And I don't think he could have been as, I don't think he'd, he, it would have been as good if 
if he had been having to fight over these, you know, these drunk people. So, um, uh, his, his name was, he, I asked him what his name was and he said, Todd. Um, but then in one of the books, uh, somebody whose biography matched his said his name was Tony and that was in quotation points. So I don't even know if that's really, um, was his real, what his real name was, but that's okay. If he wants to be anonymous, I'll leave it at that. Um, but, um, his, okay. He, we called him Todd and, um, he was a real character. He said, um, he grew up in a home with, with ghosts in it and in his lifetime, and he had lived in Italy as a model for a while there. And, um, he had seen two to 300 ghosts in his lifetime and said, sometimes they even follow him home. Mm-hmm. And, he said he'll sometimes he'll let them hang around for a while, but if they seem like they're not going to leave, he just he tells them they need to go, and they'll wow. go. That yeah. works, huh? Wow. For him, it does. That could that could have <laughs> yeah. ended a lot of uh, scary movies we've seen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> taking care of that real quick. He did. Well, he had a lot. Uh, he, I mean, he. While we would walk, he would tell his own little stories, and he had, you know, he had a girlfriend who passed away, and um. Or it, he, you know, she came back and hung out with him sometimes, and wow. he just seemed very active with ghosts. Uh, he was really, really interesting. Um, probably, he, he, he himself was as interesting as the the, the tour. Um, and he had a lot of really amazing stories. Um, just uh, overall general as just in general, taking everything he said, um, the ghosts of Port Arthur aren't just, they don't like, you know, you, you think of a ghost as like this wispy smoky thing um, and you walk right through it and whatnot, but there, there, there are some that are like that, but um, they also interact with people a lot. I mean, a lot and occasionally will hurt them. Um, Some people have reaped, being touched, grabbed, shoved, or had their hair pulled in the parsonage. And others have said they felt a gentle presence. So maybe you're putting out your own vibe that the ghosts are picking up on. I don't know, but it, it varies. But um, two of the well-known ghosts that he mentioned several times uh, were the crying baby and um, a, a, a blue crying lady, a, a a crying lady wearing a blue dress. And he had, a, he had a couple of different stories of people who had, who had encountered her and she's very realistic. Like she's, I mean, they don't just see her from across the room. She's not see-through. She's actually like a person who they're talking to. They turn their head away for one second and look, and she's vanished from the room. But she's very, what's the word? Corporeal. Yeah, yeah, she's solid, um, and she's crying. And so that's that's she's one of the ones that's very very common. Um, there are a lot of stories of people who have been chased by ghosts. He told a lot of that kind of story. Um, a lot of you know people running down the halls with with unbodied footsteps chasing after them. Um, let's see. Uh, at least, he said at least 10 of the night guides have quit due to ghost encounters. Uh, that's, that's a lot. They yeah. signed up for that to give ghost tours. 
and they quit because yep. they got spooked when they saw a ghost. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing is, is that they 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 can they scare the crap out of them. I mean, not just like ghostly, like floating from room to room. I mean, they're chasing people. They're they're suffocating them. They're they're pushing them down and making them fall. I mean, they're pre they're pretty darn active ghosts. It sounds yeah. like. Um, and uh, the he did, uh, and I can't off the top of my head remember the exact system. Uh, I, I tried to get in contact with my stepmom to see if she remembered, but they the uh, Port Arthur does have an official system for for logging um, ghost sightings, and they won't consider it official. I know one of the things is it has to be seen by two people. Two people have to corroborate the story, and um, then they have to hear the same people coming back. Uh, I mean, different people coming back with the same story multiple times before they'll believe it. And once they authenticate that, okay, there's really this kind of ghost, then it kind of goes down into the records as officially one of their ghosts. So I guess if enough people saw the woman in the blue dress, so they, they, she's officially one of their ghosts. Oh, cool. <clears throat> but they haven't heard of that. Yep, they actually have a system. Um, you can come in and report anything, but whether or not they'll, you know, make it official is they'll have they have criteria. <laughs> wow, that's not I don't know. Thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. So these next sections, Jamie, were was this the Death Pact and the Fat Pastor? That was part of the Ghost Tour stories that were told while you were on there, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, some of the basics you can find online. Um, I think I did find mentions of death packs and, um, and some mentions of the parsonage being haunted, but then he mm -hmm. told like additional little stories and details about it that I could not find anywhere else. Oh, so, so. this is real exclusive stuff here, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so get ready. Um, the Death Pact, Poor Arthur was one of the most notorious penitentiaries and, like we said, had a very low success rate. The prisoners were often harshly punished for really minor infractions. Life was basically unbearable, and it was definitely unbearable for many, and some turned to suicide. But a lot of these people, a lot of the prisoners at the time, they were Catholic, and suicide wasn't an option because if you commit suicide and you're Catholic, you're going to go to hell. So sometimes they would make death packs with other people. They would draw straws and the one with the short straw had to murder the other one. And the punishment for murdering another inmate was hanging. Uh, murder is also a deadly sin. But before he was hung, he would be allowed to see a priest and confess his sins. So he'd get off the hook spiritually and also go to heaven. So these guys got it all sorted out. <laughs> It is all sorted out. They if only they could have used that mental power for good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if only. So in this way, they would die without committing suicide. A documented example of this is Joseph Shellworth. He was digging a foundation ditch and another convict, wow, convict, William Riley, hit him in the head with a pickaxe. He readily confessed to the murder and he was hanged for it. So what? that's how that worked, friends. <laughs> <laughs> what a loophole. I, 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 I thought it was very clever. Uh, and that is the one that I recorded. And so we have the, you guys have the video of, of him telling that story. 
Um, if anybody wants a real taste of, of him telling that, that was, yeah. Was, and I'm, I'm sure he did much better than I did. Oh, he so was a we'll good storyteller. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be able to post that on at least Patreon, right Al? Yep. Good old Todd. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next one is the fat pastor. There was a pastor named Reverend George Eastman and his house is considered to be one of the most haunted houses in Australia. And Reverend Eastman is said to be the first reported ghost to ever be seen. He is one of the most aggressive and frequent ghosts on site. He had 10 kids who apparently ran amok all over the place. He was well regarded by most people and said to be kind hearted to the prisoners and in fact died after going to help one in foul weather and got sick as a result. He seemed like a decent guy in life. So I'm not sure why he ended up being a mean ghost, but maybe it's because of what happened after he died. So apparently <laughs> he was very large and they weren't sure how to transport his body out of the house after he died because the doors were so narrow. So they decided to put him in a coffin and lower it out the window while they were lowering the coffin. It fell open and Reverend Eastman came flopping out. And rolled <laughs> unceremoniously out into the road, mortifying his family and everyone who witnessed the spectacle. Now, that is some what's eating Gilbert Grape stuff. That's right what there. I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, this reminds me of what's eating Gilbert, Gilbert Grape right now. Maybe that's where they got the thought the of idea. Gilbert Grape. <laughs> Maybe. Could be. Wow. <laughs> How embarrassing. Like that even in death, awful. I would be, be embarrassed. Embarrassed from the grave. <laughs> yes. Almost grave. Like yeah. and Todd said he was a very dignified man too. And that's why he Ooh. thinks that he haunted because that last indignity. Yeah. That would piss somebody off for sure. <laughs> man. See, I think that would be, I would, I think that would be awesome. I mean, God, talk about going out with a bang. <laughs> right. But I, I get the feeling none of us are that dignified. So no, we would appreciate the last joke. Sounds like I want them un- <laughs> unspring loaded so that I like, pop up out of it like, right in the middle of the funeral ceremony. Uh, oh my god, that would freak some people out. I'd probably kill some people. Can you imagine <laughs> taking you people with time. me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Todd told a lot of good stories. <laughs> <laughs> um he did tell one story and and i did see um i did see a mention but i wasn't sure if it was the same crew because he went into a whole lot of detail about them staying in um in the parsonage like actually sleeping in the parsonage they're like well you they were doing renovations so they figure well you may as well sleep here um and he said that um in the 80s there was a work crew uh, who stayed in the parsonage um, as they were repairing it. One reported seeing a woman uh, who he could see through. And then suddenly the curtains near her started moving and the room went very cold. Um, another guy, and this was the one who he said actually stayed in there until the very end. Um, but uh, one guy uh reported that he uh, started feeling like he was being strangled and a heavy weight was, or a heavy weight was laying on him and he couldn't breathe. Uh, 
And for whatever reason, man, that wasn't enough to scare him out of there. But it happened to some of the other workers and um, some of them demanded uh, different sleeping accommodations. They they just they thought that parsonage just was a little bit too hairy. Um, if I woke up and could not <laughs> breathe. Yeah, I'm going to need somewhere else to sleep, too. Maybe like the guy's into it. Out. Maybe he likes that sort of thing. We don't know what his preference is. Like, choke me better. Yeah. Yeah. Get no. it. <laughs> Didn't you guys ever, haven't you guys, okay. And I hate doing it because I know this is a ghost story, but had you ever had that happen to you in real life where you wake up and you're paralyzed and you can't move and it's hard yeah. to breathe? Mm-hmm. I've had that happen. Maybe he had that happen like, and he, he recognized it, you know, but we yeah. used to call that the boo hag sitting on your chest. Cause. Ew. I don't like that. I don't yeah, think I've ever had trouble breathing. I've had sleep paralysis before where you wake up and can, I mean, see things, it seems. But yeah, not not having something on my chest or being unable to breathe. I haven't had that before. That sounds awful. A boo hag sitting on your chest. <laughs> yeah, like just sitting on your chest and sucking out your breath. Oh, my gosh. Okay, <laughs> hold on. I just got to tell this. So whenever Evie was a baby, like real little, Rachel watched her and I read something online. Rachel has cats. (laughs) I forgot about this. (laughs) I heard that sometimes cats can suffocate infants because they're trying to like get the milk out of their mouth or whatever. (laughs) And I was so paranoid about this cat suffocating my kid and I had like a whole big thing about it and that just reminds me me, you gave me a lecture and I was like Allison this is not a real effing concern and you're really wasting my time right now (laughs) get out of here and you're like I don't know it just cracks me up because I have been I've worked in places and taken care of babies for like years like I worked in the infant room of multiple daycares like I know how to take care of babies and this was before I had any of my own babies but I know how to take baby care of babies more than she did and she's That's like true. watch your cat make sure it doesn't suck the breath out of my baby like, all right get out of here <laughs> oh my god I'm like the world's worst mother my cat used to actually sleep in my son's cradle like curled up next to him and apparently he's lucky to have made it all right (laughs) could have sucked the breath right out of him like some boo hag i was like well you were just like watch your cats and make sure they don't suffocate and i thought you meant like them laying on evie's head or something and then you were like yeah they're attracted to the milk and i was like no they're not good lord (laughs) that's how unprepared i was as being a mother i was worried about cats i I don't know. Just all of the things. <laughs> Come from the milk, stay for the diaper. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, I, I'm sorry. Well, I've got lost my mind here. Uh, oh, that same parsonage. Um, the same parsonage also has a ghost of a lady wearing a blue dress who cries. And I think I mentioned that before. Um, there's also the ghost of a baby who you can sometimes hear crying. And I can't remember the story that he told with the baby, but there was, he had a, he had a story about that baby and I wish I had written the notes at the time. Um, but the blue lady, um, she's the one who you can't see through. And 
she seems to wander all over the place. She's not just in the parsonage. They've seen her in many different places. And um, he did tell a story about some boys who were on a field trip and they were goofing around. There was three boys and they went up, um, up at the top of like a little tower thing. And uh, they were scared they were going to get caught because they weren't supposed to be going up there. So the two of them went back down and the other boy stayed up because there was a window and he was looking out the window and the lady came and stood next to him and she was crying and he became very concerned. He's like, well, oh no, you know, what's wrong? And, and uh, she didn't answer him. And so he was, he was just standing there, I guess, <laughs> I guess he thought he would stand there and be in the moment with her. And he, something happened and distracted his attention. And he looked away for a minute when he looked back, she was gone. But his report was that she was just like you or me. I mean, she looked real, but she, there was. Wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know which ghost I'd rather see. I think the ones that are solid that you think are real would jack you up so much worse than like uh, one that's kind of, you know, transparent and you know that it's not something you should be seeing. I don't know. That would just freak you out. Yeah, like, would you question question the reality every time you're like talking to somebody new? Yeah, you'd like have like, to be like, "Are you going to be here when I turn around?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be. I didn't even think about that. That would freak me out. Yeah. Yeah, that would leave lasting issues. <laughs> Do you guys have like a ghostly hitchhiker there? Seems like everywhere. I, everybody I know, wherever they live, they always have the story about the hitchhiker that you pick up and then like, and they're, and you're taking them somewhere and then you look mm-hmm. and they vanished out of the back of the car, you know, or I've where- heard that, but I don't think we do around here. Do we No, I've, I've heard that story as well, Yeah, but I feel like it was in like scary stories to tell in the dark book. It like, wasn't are like, are you afraid of the dark or something? Yeah. yeah not, oh, but- not locally. We got some stuff locally, but not that. No, well, the, it's it's in Greensboro and it's called Lydia's Bridge. And supposedly certain times when you, she was killed there in a car accident on her way to the prom or something like that. And if you drive, sometimes if you drive near that bridge, it, she'll be out there and you pick her up. If you pick her up, she'll vanish out of the back of your car. Like she seems real and then she'll get in the car and then vanish. But for some reason I thought, Everybody had one of those kind of stories. I know that is common, but we don't. I don't think. I, I don't have to worry about that one because I'm not picking. I'm not up picking anyone. up any. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Are you a child walking on the side of the road? Too bad. Shit <laughs> out of luck, buddy. Maybe the next car. <laughs> right. Not the one. You're not tricking me. <laughs> you look like a kid, but right. Yeah, you never we know. Did. We did do the the kid thing freaks me out. We did the story on the black eyed children. Have you heard that story where like these black children with black eyes will come up to your car and try to get you to let them in or they'll come to your house and try to let them in. And it's like this they're demons and children freak me out. I don't like (laughs) it in general. You never know. I think I watched uh, Damien too young in my life. And now it's like yeah. anybody could be a demon. I don't know. 
All right. Well, I think, do you have anything else that you wanted to add on, on your visit there, Jamie? Oh, I do. I have one question for, for you guys. Did y'all, did y'all try the Vegemite? I did. What'd you think? Not for me. (laughs) (laughs) You sent me a lot of packets of it. (laughs) And, uh, I tried one of them. I didn't try Rachel any of them. You didn't. You're so mean. I I have have Vegemite before though. And also not for me. (laughs) I have, I think I still have a few packets. I don't know. If it's, it's like kombucha. Good. You either like it or you yeah. don't. You know. Well, give me give me one of the packets because I haven't had it since I was in college, and you know people's tastes change, so maybe now That's I'm into true. it. But yeah, it's it is at like the time kombucha, I was not, and I don't like kombucha either. <laughs> Did <laughs> you like it? Who me? Yeah, I loved it. Did you? I loved it. Yeah. What what I do is you, you, I make the toast really dark, you know, and then I. I put butter on it, and then I put a thin film of that stuff on there. You can't put much. What I'll tell you a funny story. My, I, I gave Max had some, uh-huh. and I get I sent. He's my son, and so he, you know, he said, "Oh, can I? You know, I'll try this." I did, uh, and I said, "Well, just put a thin little fl- film on there now, because a little goes a long way with this stuff." And um, he came in. He goes, "I don't even know how you can eat this." He had spread it on like peanut butter. <laughs> that was my that was me too there needs to be a disclaimer like thin layer because i i thought it was like peanut butter too and i put it and i was like oh no what did i do this ruined my toast (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that was probably disgusting now you gotta put it like you put it on you put the butter and you put like a thin and literally like a film of it on there uh-huh. and um and it is it's got a really strong flavor uh but i i liked it but you know i know it's not for everybody which is why i sent you guys a little sample pack uh-huh. <laughs> i didn't want to <laughs> stick you with a big old jar of that and be like oh god what am i gonna do with all this <laughs> so yeah, Allie, no. maybe give it another go <laughs> yeah maybe i'll try the thin layer and i'll report yeah. back and let you know what i think now because I like the concept of the butter also because I didn't do butter either. And yeah, that's what I said. Oh, see, when I tried it, I didn't have butter either. It was just a little on a piece of bread, but butter will probably like cut it too. Like, so it's more like out a little. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give that a whirl. I'll find the packets. I know I have some. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do a test. Yeah. I can imagine that first bite had to have been horrifying. Like, why did she do this to me? <laughs> uh, no, you you were, I need to make a point. You were very kind to us whenever you went there. You sent us a care package with a beautiful book on Port Arthur. All the little visitors. I mean, I have all of all the visitor pack stuff, just like a layout of the map. It's all, it was so kind of you. And I have the coin and I didn't tell Rachel I got the coin because I wanted to keep it secretly for myself. Um, I'm pretty sure you do that to me all the time. I do. <laughs> um, but one of yeah. our, hold on, I got to just say this. One of our friends invited <laughs> us to this thing and she sent this little nice package for both of us. 
And I am talking to Allie about it. And I think I said, oh, I like your ring. And it was like this coffin ring. And she's like, oh, yeah, Fallon sent that in our package. Uh, can I keep it? And I was like, well, effing obviously you already are. Okay. I'm glad we discussed this ahead of time. Well, well I, I did have... better the first time. I've sent everything in twos the first time. Well, I should have done that the yeah. second time. Well, and to be honest, I have I have the twos still. She's terrible. She's terrible. She's I awful. am terrible. It's, it's okay safer. though, because I'm the same way. It's safer with me. I feel like. So, okay. <laughs> so yes, no. Oh, honestly, that was very, very kind of you to take time mm-hmm. out of your trip that you were having of your lifetime. And mm-hmm. stopped to send us a care package. Like that was the kindest thing yes, thank um, you. ever. So thank you. And thank you. Well, y'all were my best Patreon customers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my only Patreon people. <laughs> well, and, and thank you also for just like your dedication and your doing the all of the images for our stuff. And we know mm-hmm. that we are terrible at organization keeping things together. And I mean, you are just, you are on top of it and it's so kind of you to do that for us. So thank you so yeah. much for everything yeah, you do for us. Yeah. My and you're still nice to us, even when we don't know what's going on and mix up our episodes and yeah. <laughs> things ready. Like she's going to kill us one of these days. Yeah. I tell you. No way. I'm, I'm right there on the same wavelength though. That's just it. You know, I, I totally understand. <laughs> Good. Thank God, because we could be driving people nuts, I'm sure. But <laughs> but anyway, um, so yes. So thank you for joining us and telling us about your journey and uh, poor Arthur and all of this crazy, crazy stuff. I, I would love to be able to visit it one day. It looks beautiful um, mm-hmm. and haunting at the same time. It does. Let's cite sources. Yeah, go for it, girl. This is a long oh my. list. Oh my God. Really me? You didn't let me do it. Okay. Let's see. Um, okay. Obviously Todd, uh, Todd or Tony or whatever he wants to be called my mm-hmm. tour guide uh, for the Port Arthur ghost tour. He really was awesome. Um, the books were ghosts of Port Arthur collated by Julie McCulloch and Andrew Simmons. Uh, in their words, ghost stories from the staff and visitors of the Port Arthur historic site compiled by Mel Andre Watha. Sorry, Mel, if I messed up your name. (laughs) Port (laughs) Arthur, Tasmania, which was the photo book by Richard Mm -hmm. Bennett. Uh, The websites were Port Arthur Historic Website, The Ghosts of Port Arthur, A Tale of Two Epitaphs, The Haunting of the Port Arthur Tells a Bigger Australian Story Than It Seeks to, Um, Dark Tasmania, The Port Arthur Ghost Tour, the Cascades Female Factory, a uh, pack of thieves. Uh, oh, I had the pack of thieves uh, 52 card deck uh, that mm-hmm. I just, uh, I had some notes that I didn't end up using. So the diary, uh, the diaries of Lady Franklin. And that's really cool. That's like actual primary source. It's, it's like scanned in copies of her, her diary. Um, oh yeah. And I was ask, yeah. did they, did they like, publish a book of her diaries or do you have to get onto this website to read them like is there a um book i diary? think there may be a book and and actually that was one thing she did that was beneficial was because they learned a lot uh from her mm-hmm. diaries about 
you know, things that were happening at the time. So, um, and then um, there was a web page for Sir John Franklin's monument <laughs> for the, the ill-fated uh, <laughs> Arctic tour, Arctic exploration thing. So, yes. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give you guys links to all those. So. Awesome. And they're they're in our notes actually, and yep. then uh, some things I added. Oh, those were from Wikipedia. <laughs> classic, classic Rachel. Bam. Look at all these. This this is these sources are beautiful, and ours yeah. are like Wikipedia. Wikipedia <laughs> may or may not be true. <laughs> yeah, well, we get in trouble for that. Is, don't judge me. Because none of them are in MLA formatting. <laughs> All I could think of when I was doing it was, oh my God, I used to teach English and I'm not using MLA formatting. Please forgive me. <laughs> oh my gosh. You used to teach English and you like us. Oh my God. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, That's I was amazing. a college professor, man. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, we, I'm not, uh, I'm not professional when it comes to our sources. Links are about as good as we get here. So this is yeah. way better than anything we could have put together. That's right. But all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 162 on Port Arthur, Tasmania. We hope that you all have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.